Hey, it's Nikki. And it's Brie. And we're hopping on right before the episode really quick. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we just want to apologize for the sound quality of this episode. Um, it is not up to our normal standards. Um, something went wrong with the audio and this is as good as I could get it. So I apologize, listeners. But thank you so much for your support. I know. I hopefully <laughs> just stick around and still listen, still vibe with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a fun one. So, yeah, I don't know what so to Here's Jennifer's body. <laughs> here's Jennifer's body. She doesn't even go here. Yesterday I did Scoochie, so and today Fanny, so. It's hot. Joel McHale. Exactly. Or is that the soup? Which is a variation of talk soup. Oh, shit. I don't know. But you know what? What? Watching the soup. Okay. Picture this. I'm in high school. I come home from school. I have a little snack. I turn on the soup with Joel McHale on E, which I watch all night. Okay. And a trailer for Jennifer's Body comes on. Ooh. It probably happened. So. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I give you the thumbs up as I knock things over. You're like, sounds great. Whoa. <laughs> Too great. <laughs> Bust the whole, uh, the microphones. Yeah, just the whole setup. Just yeah. Crashes. You know what's crazy, though? So what? This movie came out in 2009, but in my mind, I thought it was, like, a longer time ago. Like, when? I don't know, like 2005? Maybe I'm just, maybe my perception of time is just terrible. I vividly remember when Jennifer's body came out, Brie. Mm. But let's introduce it first and then let's get into it. Okay, so. So? <laughs> and then it's silence. <laughs> <laughs> More <laughs> soup. <laughs> Mm-mm. Good. Eating good in the <laughs> Hi, it's Nikki Jensen and Brie Pagoni, and we're late, late to, to the, the party. party. So, so, Brie, yeah, are you a pumpkin spice girl? And you know, a little bit, like, not like super, but a little bit, like, okay, you know, I work at a coffee shop, and right now we have a drink called Salty Pumpkin, so it's like salted caramel and pumpkin. It's an interesting combo. I think it's pretty good, but I'm not like. I don't know. I'm not like um, counting down the days. Overrated, underrated. Like, how do you feel about fall when you think pumpkin? Are you a pumpkin spice bitch? Do you know what I mean? Like, like TM. You know, honestly, kind of like yes and no because it is like only once a year. But at the same time, I'm not like like I'm not one of those people that thinks about it outside of the season. It's like hot cocoa for me. Like I, I will do hot cocoa at Christmas. But Naturally. I'm not gonna gonna do it outside of that. But there are some people who like would and have to to survive, and I that's, I don't identify as that. I just I mean I enjoy it when it's here. Like I will do a pumpkin spice something just to feel something like Dunkin' Donuts. Like I like their pumpkin flavor. Their nutty pumpkin's good. 
I don't know. See, I'm a one and done. Like, I will get the jonesing for a pumpkin spice, mm-hmm. and I'll have one, and I don't need it again. Is that just because your pumpkin spice tasted bad, though? No, I feel like every year, except this year it wasn't as crazy, but I remember last year, like, August 30th hit, and Starbucks was like, pumpkin spice. And I was like, I could go for a pumpkin spice cold brew, mm-hmm. and one of those pumpkin muffins. And then I had it, and then never thought about it again. That? But I just thought because you're so into like witches, like oh, yeah. cottage core, I didn't know how you felt about just pumpkin spice season or Halloween. I, I mean, I love Halloween. Halloween's fun. Um, I love pumpkin spice, but not like I don't know. I think I've I've had it so much, and it's been over. I feel like it is a little overrated, to be honest. Like it's good, but it's not that good. You know what I mean? It's like so. What is a like a fall Halloween? What what is your thing? Like beverage of choice? Just anything, Brie. Anything, not just beverages. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Like pumpkin, you know, pumpkin like painting maybe or carving. I just don't know if I have the patience to carve though, or the it's messy. I don't know. I feel like I'm like a not a curmudgeon, but like I'm like ah, it's hard when you're an adult because you can't trick or treat. You know. I mean. <laughs> That's debatable. And then what are you going to do with the candy if you do? Eat it. But the costume, I mean, it's fun dressing up in costumes. I hope we end up doing something for Halloween. We're going to do something for Halloween. I hope so. Yeah. Do you have your costume picked out? No. (laughs) It's so hard to decide. Gotcha. I know you have your costume ready, though. I do. I have it all planned out. Yeah. But I don't have anywhere to go, so. We'll find somewhere. But. Watch that, I guess. (laughs) I I wanted to kind of, like, segue into fall and get you talking about fall because today we're not really having a Halloween episode. Like, we could have watched Scream or we could have watched... I know what you did last summer. But Mm -hmm. no, no, no. Not this year. This year, we are watching Jennifer's Body, the 2009 cult classic. So I just wanted to, like, segue. I was, like, trying to, like, get us... In the mood, I was saying pumpkin spice, Halloween, what you feel, you know? I was I'm trying sorry. to set the scene, you know? Oh, I feel so dumb. I'm like, what is the connection? I wonder if she's because it's a Halloween movie, duh. Wow. I'm sorry, Nick. Is it just a big old dummy? <laughs> nah, is it just because you don't think boys are people, just like Jennifer Check, and you were just like, well, this isn't scary, this is like... This is just facts. Just, this is just like a, every day, like another Tuesday. I don't know. You like read the, interpreted this movie completely different. And you were like, yeah, she did what she had to do. Exactly. Actually, a lot of this movie, I thought that to myself, like to an extent, you know, that's kind of what I thought the movie was going to be about too. Like from the previews or back in the day, like I thought like, I kind of thought she was a vampire or something. That's what I thought. But Okay. Maybe then we should set this, the scene, because 2009 is a time, at least, I don't know about you, but I remember vividly, because we were in high school, Mm -hmm. so I know 2009. Yes. We don't really know 1999. I mean, we know it being, like, babies, but... Yeah. (laughs) But, like, 2009, we were in it. We were. No, fully in it. And you know what I was thinking, too? Like... Because we were in high school. Mm-hmm. And they were in high school, right? A lot of the fashion 
is reflective of the time. Like, I specifically remember wearing, like, like, there's a special, like, a, not special, but a specific outfit that she wears where it's, like, a half hoodie, and it just, like, barely hits below the boobs. Do you remember those, like, half zip up hoodies? Well, it's, like, I really, the hoodie game Mm -hmm. in this is so strong. Or, like, I, I, like, love in this movie the costuming of the background actors. Yes. Because they're so of a time. It's crazy that it's all really, like, almost kid-sized Juicy Couture zip-up hoodies. Mm-hmm. And, like, low-rise jeans. And lo- all the low And you rise. call it a day. Like, that's what people wore with a cami underneath. Yes! From Hollister. That's like, what I was thinking, yes. Or, that's- like, wet seal going out of style, grab all the camis you can. Oh, no, I remember when Wet Seal closed. Oh, I bought so many things on sale. Yeah, but yes, I do remember. I do um, remember the hoodies. But, okay, so, like, fall 2009, we were, like, sophomores in high school. Mm-hmm. I was very into, like, I wasn't into Twilight, but I was definitely, like, borderline indie sleaze. Okay, yeah. So I was vibing with all the Twilight aesthetics and had vampires on the brain. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember Jewop Lip Venom? The Twilight edition? Oh, man, we're going to do an episode wait, on Twilight. Maybe it was du- that was the brand? Yeah, Jewop Lip Venom. And they had um, a was collab like a with Twilight. Stain, like, mm-hmm. I, th- I think I know what you're talking and about. And Brevlon had just bitten lip stain. Yes. With, it looked like a felt tip marker, and then on the other side it was a chapstick that didn't even make your lips moisturize. Yeah. No, I remember the vampire aesthetic was strong. <sighs> I vibed with it. And I, I just remember, like, loving it. I mean, even, like, that season of Gossip Girl kind of leaned into this, like, vampire aesthetic. I don't know. It just... I was turning into a fashion hoe at that point, but, like, only... I was into, like, dark, moody things or, like, chains on bags. Yes. Like, I don't Spikes. know. They're just... Yes. Something about Fall 2009. I was gonna say, too... Okay, Something else that came out fall 2009 um, was The Vampire Diaries, and I was really into that show. Just since we're speaking of vampires. Is that the one with Ian Summerholder? It is, yes. The hotter brother. There was another brother? Yeah, the other guy looks, um, I always thought he looked like an older Justin Bieber at the time, but I didn't think he was as hot, but his hair was taller, so I don't know. That's right. Okay, so you can talk to this, like the vampire movement. Which I the was not movement. into. I was into Jennifer's body. I was, like, eating boys. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. But, so there was Twilight, Vampire Diaries, True Blood. Oh, yeah, True Blood. Yeah. So you rocked with Vampire Diaries? Yeah, that was my thing. I tried to get into True Blood, and it was like, eh. Plus, I think it was on cable, and I just, I don't know. But it, it wasn't as fun. The Vampire Diaries is literally, like, Twilight, but, like, better, in my opinion. Mmm. How so? I don't know, I just think it was written better. It there was a lot of um a lot of things were fleshed out better, I think. Like the story and the history between you know, the characters, like how it tied together. Like it wasn't like I feel like in Twilight there's some gaps, you know what I mean? Or just some weird things, like, you know, that wolf boy falling in love with a baby. Like I, Yeah, Twilight's just weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But that's, uh, that's a whole other thing, because we're going to talk about Twilight. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> like, very soon. 
But okay, fall 2009. You were into Vampire Diaries. What else do you remember from this time? Um. <laughs> I don't know, like, being depressed? What? <laughs> being depressed and a teenager? I don't know. Um, hating school. <laughs> right. So do you identify with, are you a Jennifer or are you a needy? I feel like I feel like a needy. I don't know if I have the... Thank you for answering honestly, because I swear <laughs> if you were a Jennifer, I would have said, get out. <laughs> Definitely a Jennifer. Oh, but I, I feel like a chip. <laughs> yeah. I identify as chip, actually. He's like the voice of reason, kind of, but not, not completely, because he's not in tune with the supernatural, so that's his mistake. That's on him. I mean, how would you expect that? Yeah. You'd be like, wow, my girlfriend's acting weird. Yeah. Better just make sure. Like, I mean, he is, like, the most level-headed out of everyone. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So, yeah, we are discussing Jennifer's body. So, Jennifer's body stars Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, and Adam Brody. And it's directed by um, Karen Kusama, who did, like, Aeon Flux and Girl Fight. Um, and the film premiered at the 2009 Toronto Film Festival and was re- released in the United States on September 18th, 2009. And it was written by Diablo Cody post-Juno. That was cool. Yeah. Which, like, I totally, back in the late noughties, sipped the Juno of Kool-Aid. I still have not seen Juno. It's good. Do you like the dialogue in this movie? Like, how do you feel? I love it. It's hilarious. Then you'd love Juno. Okay. I keep... No, you've told me that I would love Juno anyway, so it's on my list. Yeah, I just think, like, the way Diablo Cody speaks, like, the way she writes, it's just, like, mm. just the references, when there's a nice insult, Hannah Montana. Yeah, oh my gosh. In this movie, there were so many, like, insults that were hilarious and just, like, references that, I don't know. I'm like, oh, I understand, but it's, like, the, the sense of humor is great. I don't know. I agree. But yeah, this was like, Juno had come out in 2007 and 2008 it won, you know, it was like an awards darling. So Diablo Cody was the moment. Mm. And then Jennifer's body comes out and it's a flop. That is crazy because in my mind, I thought this movie was big. I thought it was like, I don't know, like I remember seeing previews in theaters for it and then I just never got around to seeing it but like I remember being like oh this is like a big deal but maybe it's because it was Megan Fox I think you know she was huge at that time too yeah this was the same year Transformers 2 came out Mm -hmm. so like Megan Fox this is the same year that that little boy gave her the yellow rose remember that (laughs) meme (laughs) oh my god that's cute yeah I feel like it was Megan Fox's world we were just living in it I still feel like that yeah but did you like Megan Fox back in the day? Honestly, I was undecided. Like, I was like, oh, she's really pretty. But, like, I hadn't seen many of her films, to be honest. So, I think... I don't know. I know people really loved her. But I thought it was just because she was, like, sexy or something. And I'm like, what's the big deal? You haven't seen her brilliant performances in... Was it a Holiday in the Sun with Mary-Kate and Ashley? 
or Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, where she plays the mean girl. No, she was good in that. Yeah, I, I guess I have seen that. I don't remember her in um, the Mary Kate Nashley movie, though. That's crazy. I'll have to, when we watch that again, I'll have to pay more attention. But I do feel like, from like the first Transformers on, mm-hmm. Megan Fox was just like the sex symbol, like the star. And I do remember people like, like females not really liking her and men basically just being like she's stupid i feel like it was propaganda you know what i mean because i think a lot of it was just from what i read about her and not actually from watching movies with her in it just like you know i don't know people saying she had no talent i don't know I i feel like i read something like tabloids or something you know what i mean i'm like ah whatever it's so weird because like this time you know, as a teenage girl, you would think I would be the most, like, hater towards Megan Fox. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I think Megan Fox is really cool. I'm gonna hate Taylor Swift. <laughs> Do you what? know? Wait, there was a time you hated Taylor Swift? With a passion. Like, 2009 to 2011, prime hating Taylor Swift times. Oh, wait, I think we, we talked about this, because I think we all hated Taylor Swift for a moment there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we saw the light. Well, then Red came out and was like, broke the mold, you know? (laughs) Yeah. True. Yeah, just check out that episode where we talk about Red (laughs) and I almost cry. Yeah. We know that journey, but... (laughs) It was a journey. Megan Fox isn't as, like, she doesn't elicit those emotions, but I feel like it is very hard. Like, this is a feminist film. It's a commentary on a couple things, Mm -hmm. but I would call this a feminist film. I think so, yeah. Especially if you watch it, like, all the way through, you know? Like, I'm just saying, like, I feel like towards the end, it, like, kind of wraps up some things for me as a viewer. Because the beginning is kind of confusing. I don't want to just get get into it. Well, okay, so let's, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, But, yeah, so, like, on the feminist tip, so Diablo Cody said she wanted the film to speak to female empowerment and explore the complex relationship between best friends. Which I get. Like, the first time I saw this film, I I think, like, a couple films, and they're always directed by females, mm-hmm. that Jennifer's body, in regards to, like, the friendship between Jennifer and Needy, mm-hmm. it does, it, like, elicits an, a response from me and from a lot of females that I know that, like, you, it's hard to articulate, but it is, the female experience tm kind of like ladybird okay the mother-daughter relationship kind of like hustlers hustlers you know how like when um you know jennifer lopez character takes constant woo on her under her wing and they do the things but it's like this like not a mother-daughter relationship but it's like taking her under it's like they're not bad they're not doing anything bad it's like a complex relationship yeah do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're all directed by females. I think it's like nuanced, like yeah, or it just taps into the female experience in a very unique way. I don't yeah. know. How do you feel? I I'd agree with that. I feel like it's it's like there's certain dynamics it plays on and takes them to the extreme, and um, it's kind of like Mean Girls in a way, with like the most popular girl in school kind of situation and. I don't know. 
just like at friend dynamics, like having secret or like, you know, keeping secrets for your best friend, like things like that. Like there's like flashbacks when they're like little kids and things like that. She's like, I never tell on you. And then like, but what do you do when your best friend gets possessed by a demon? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh doesn't happen every day, but well, and then have you seen the like a couple years ago, Megan Fox and Diablo Cody, they kinda sat down and talked about Jennifer's body. Ooh, no, I bet that's interesting, though. But it's really, yeah, it's really good. And they talk about, you know, like, the meanings in the film and about the female empowerment aspect, about this commentary and how, like, it's talking about exploitative culture and stuff, but how it was really marketed wrong. Mm. And do you remember how this film was marketed? I feel like... Like, in my mind, I think it was, like, she's sexy, you know, like, I thought she was a vampire. Um, I thought it was going to be, honestly, I thought it was going to be one of those, like, you know those horror films, like, so many early 2000s kind of horror films where it's just, like, the girls are dumb and sexy and, so. but I don't know, this one seemed cool because she's, like, the main character and stuff, so I wasn't sure, but you know how, like, yeah, like, maybe it's more for the male gaze or something. I wasn't really sure. I kind of thought maybe it would be. Because a lot of horror films, I feel like, are for the male gaze. Like, like a lot of the women are just kind of, like... It's a lot of, It's always, like, teenage girls. But they're always, like, wearing, like, revealing clothes. Or something, like, clothes that are, like, really tight. Like, I don't know. There's always, like, some type of sex scene. And it's... Sometimes it's, like, for no reason, in my opinion. Kind of, like... You know, some people say, like, euphoria. There's, like, scenes that seem unnecessary and things like that. I feel like a lot of horror movies do kind of exploit, like, females in that way. Where I feel like it's not always necessary, but it's... I don't know. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I think it's really complicated. Because, like, when I was in college, I took... One of my favorite classes was called Chick Flicks, but it was a women's studies class. Mm -hmm. And we watched Halloween, the 1978 yeah. you know, classic, and we talked about the final girl trope a lot, which I think a lot of horror movies with that final girl trope are very feminist. Yeah. You know, the the girl ends, but it also has a lot of, traditionally, a lot of implications, like, you know, kind of like the Scream parodies in a way, like, if you have sex, you're out, or if you do, like, quote-unquote, immoral things, mm -hmm. you're not going to make it to the end. But there's always a final girl who stands up for herself and stands up to the demon. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it's feminist. But then you do get a lot of, especially in, like, the 2000s. Yeah. Just, like, a slew of horror movies. Like a sorority row. Or, um, oh, what's that one I saw? The Roommate. Uh-huh. Which are just, like, girl with boobs. Shower scene. Yeah. People getting murdered. It, there's no, um... Because horror movies in general, and then I'll get off my high horse, like, it's not a film studies class, but horror movies, like art, mm -hmm. just in general, are a reflection of society, a reflection of our fears, our fears currently, you know? Right. And I think for a while, especially in the 2000s, we were very used to, it was either vampires. Uh-huh. Or it was not really talking about that. Like, it was literally just 
to like who can die the most or you know like how the final destination started off talking about something and then after the third one it was just like how many kills or the first saw was like it was saying something and then it was just like how fucked up can jigsaw get Mm -hmm. so i just think money but you know i don't we were in a time when like this was like the post-feminism so we didn't we thought we were over feminism anyways so it was just a lot of tits and a lot of blood and vampires yeah and that's all that mattered and i feel like jennifer's body was not meant for 2009 it was meant for 2022 that's crazy you know what i found interesting too like this movie is rated r but I don't think we ever see any nudity. Like, it's implied, but we don't actually see boobs, like, any, like, any actual nudity. You know what I mean? Like, even when she's, like, in the woods with that football guy, like, we don't actually see anything. We just see her back. Like, it's not, like... Because this movie isn't shot, it's shot by a woman. It's written by a woman. It's not... Yeah. It's not that. And I know that at the time, um, men, this was marketed towards men because uh-huh. the studio was, like, always the studio yeah the studio was like well men will love this because they love megan fox and she's hot so then when boys say men the teenage boys when they went to the movie they were greatly disappointed because this film isn't shot like michael bay would shoot a film it's also like the joke like okay in the context of this movie like all the victims are guys right so it's kind of like it's kind of like fuck you to like the patriarchy in a way like just i don't know i feel like it is you know what i mean yeah like especially when we get into like talking about like the the band the indie band like they're really fucked up for sure and i don't know i feel like they might symbolize the patriarchy in a lot of ways the man in general literally like yeah the literal and figurative the man yeah yeah, so this was your first time watching Jennifer's Body? hmm Your review, Brie, what do you think? Okay. Well, just like Jennifer's victims, this movie was a lot to digest. But I enjoyed it a especially lot. Especially that one football player. Especially, yeah, he was especially hard to digest. But, um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I feel like there was a lot of twists and turns. Like, it kept me kind of on the edge of my seat. I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen? Because it starts out, like, kind of... I feel like the first, like, 20 or 30 minutes are kind of... Like, it sets it up. You know what I mean? Like, but there's so many questions. Like, I had so many questions at the beginning. Like, is she... Well, I knew she wasn't a vampire. But I was like, is she, like, a cannibal? Because just, like, the way she looks at these guys on stage... Like, she looks like she's, like eating them with her eyes if that makes sense or the way the stage caught on fire I thought she was like pulling a Matilda so like I, I didn't really know I think it's so interesting that they don't really tell us anything to, till the end of like why she is how she is I didn't think they were actually going to tell us that at all I thought it was just going to be one of those things that's left a mystery because you know in some movies they just don't even bother they're like oh this is the the ghoul or whatever and that's that and there's no explanation really mm-hmm. so I kind of like appreciated that they tied up the loose ends and everything and I don't know I really enjoyed it I think it had a good mix of like humor and like 
horror. Like, it did kind of spook me out a little bit. I watched it late at night, and I was like, ooh, like, this is actually kind of creepy. Like, I don't know. I think demon, like, possession weirds me out anyways, you know what I mean? Because it's one of those things that's unknown, and I don't know, vampires, I'm like, oh, that's not real. You know what I mean? But, like, demons, I'm like, ooh, could be. She's, like, seemingly possessed. I mean, she is possessed, but I think... I'm trying to think, like, first time watching. Because now I just see it. I know what happens. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to turn that off. It doesn't make it less enjoyable. But. Yeah, I wasn't sure for a good while, like, throughout most of the film, if it was demon possession or if it was just um, her being her. You know? I don't know. I really like the, like, to your point about kind of how they wrap things up. Because I also love how it's, like, a commentary on society in a way, or like the villain, not a villain or it's kind of like a villain origin, right? Yeah. Like if Jennifer Check is the villain, this is why. And like she was the way. Well, yeah. See, you know. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like they kind of take the time to show that without being patronizing. Mm-hmm. Like I saw Halloween Ends this Thursday. Oh, how was it? Terrible. Don't like go see it, but it's bad. No. And the whole movie is basically like you know that like meme now of Jenna. What's her name? I want to say Jennifer Love Hewitt, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Just saying trauma over and over again. What is up with that? I don't know, but this movie is about trauma. Uh huh. But Halloween ends does this thing without spoiling it, where. It thinks it's the Joker 2019 or something, Uh where it's like, we're going to take this, like, villain origin story trope and just, like, run it into the ground. Didn't they already kind of do that, though, with Halloween? Or did they do that with Halloween? Or maybe that was with, um, maybe we think of, like, Jason. They do it with everything nowadays. Which is why I think Jennifer's body triumphs over all of those. Like, this movie is still current today, and it still says all of that without giving anyone a pass, but also without, it never, this movie never treats us as the audience like we need a moral talking to. That's true. And I really appreciate that. It's, like, funny, and it's scary, and we know why, but it's not like, you know... Like jerk off motions. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I also think like okay, like I get the whole like, like that thing they do with the villains, like trying to get sympathy, like to an extent. But sometimes it's like overdone, you know, and it's tiresome. Just saying, it's too much. I mean, like, because how much sympathy can you really much. have? That's what I liked about this movie is like, you don't have a lot of sympathy. For Jennifer, really. Even at the end, no, not well, you do, but then you at the same time, you're like, dang, well, does it really balance out all the deaths? Or does it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's for the viewer to decide. It is. I have a really hard time. <sighs> I have a really hard time with the morals of this movie. Mm-hmm. only because, like, you know this, but when I first got into college, I made a friend, mm-hmm. 
and like kind of our mantra was Jennifer Check's mantra, which that boys were not people. Mm-hmm. So do whatever you, what you want with them and dispose of them. We didn't eat them. Okay, <laughs> but oh like God. it was this whole like we're gonna live like Jennifer Check, and I feel like I relate to her mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, or even in a lot of her vulnerability. I I oddly relate to her, uh-huh. and I see myself, you know, as a nineteen year old, as an eighteen year old, like I. It's very interesting because I know that's like not a uh, like. Do you relate to Jennifer at all? Not really. <laughs> so like, but someone has to. I don't know. Like you, you knew me then. Like, did I have like some of those tendencies? I think so. Like that scene when she's at the bar mm-hmm. with Needy and she's like, "Oh, do this." Like, I feel like, unfortunately, like. I think, like, we've had moments yeah, where you're needy and I'm Jennifer, and it's cringy. Oh my gosh, yeah. But no one's, like, kidnapped you in a van. No, but probably almost. Yeah, now that I think about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I think I watched this movie through through a very different lens. Interesting, yeah. I mean, you know, Jennifer's an interesting character. Like, I don't know, I mean, I like her. It's not, like... It's not her fault she got possessed by a demon, you know? I don't know. I think she just wants certain things or wants... I don't know. I think she just wants to feel good and feel good about herself and just... And look fly. And what's wrong with that? And eat boys. Right? Yeah. I'm Is glad there... I can convince her. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know, but, I, you know, not to get too feminist theory, but it is kind of like in the beginning of the movie when she's watching, is it a Bowflex? Or what is this dude? Like, the exercise? Oh, what was she? Dude. Yeah, it was like one of those late night commercials, like, 1-800, I don't know, <laughs> pay nineteen ninety nine and And it's not Richard Simmons, but it's like that other dude. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think she's, absor- like, she's solely defined by the male gaze. Mm. You think that's what she kind of represents in this movie a bit? Like, that's... Like, I want to talk about the ending uh-huh. because I have a theory on it. Okay. No, I'm interested. Yeah. But before we get into that, Brie, do you want to talk about the development of this movie a little bit? Sure. So, um, Cody stated that when she was writing the script, she was simultaneously trying to pay tribute to some of the conventions that we've already seen in horror. Um, but at the same time, turn them on their ear. So, kind of like what we were talking about, like, I don't know, or like you were saying, like, having that one girl at the end, that's kind of like a trope, and she definitely, like, Needy's the one at the end this time. Yeah. It's always trying to fight against the evil, I don't know, that's always the... She's kind of always the observer, too. She is. Is that why she's wearing glasses? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Because, yeah, I can, like, to go back to, like, Halloween, she's kind of the Laurie Strode, or kind of, I see a lot of Friday the 13th, or the Lost Boys, aesthetically, mm. reminds me a lot of Jennifer's body. I have not seen the Lost Boys, but oh, so I'm intrigued just knowing that it was an influence, because um, Cody said that one of her influences from the 1980s horror genre was the Lost Boys, and she wanted to honor that, and at the same time... She hadn't seen this particular subgenre done with girls, um, so she tried to do a little bit of both. And 
And despite this, she said that she noticed the last survivor standing in the typical horror film is a woman. And because of this, she feels that horror has always kind of been a feminist, has a kind of a feminist angle to it in a weird way. At the same time, it's also delightfully exploitative, which I feel like is true. Um, and then Jennifer's body basically plays on both of those aspects, so. It's true. I mean, I already said that. I'm just, now I'm just being like, just saying my shoulders. I'm like, yeah, it's true. I know this has been just regurgitated from every yeah. feminist professor ever, but. It's interesting, though. Like, I feel like there is difference, like, something written or directed by a woman versus a man in the horror genre. I think, yeah. There's different things to pay attention to or different messages you pick up, especially as a female viewer. Yeah. I also love, like, in the beginning of the movie, it, I think it's Needy who does the quote, like, hell is a teenage girl. Yes! Okay, is that where this phrase comes from? Yeah, this is why I say it all the time. Because, <laughs> like, I swear, I've heard it, like, referenced in other things as well, and I, as soon as I, like, started watching this, because that's one of the first things she says, and it's like, whoa, this is where this began. Like, it's like a, I don't know, I feel like it's symbolism. Like, we can look back on it, and, because I feel like that, the hell is a teenage girl kind of trope is a thing like, in a lot of films. Well, it's like being a teenage girl, and you were talking about it. You were like, you just said, roll the tape, where you were like, yeah, fall 2009, I was a teenage girl, and I was depressed. It was horrible. I mean, there were some things I was dealing with, but, like, that probably was part of it. <laughs> but I want to, like, be too depressing. So, but I think it is also just a depressing time, because high school just sucks. And it's hard to find your people and fit in. And you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I relate to Nini in a way as far as being, like, she seems kind of, like, on the outside of the social circle. But you know what's interesting is we don't really see Jennifer in a circle. Like, they're just two best friends. And they she's not, like, like, it's not literally Mean Girls where there's, like, a crew mm -hmm. of Mean Girls. Like, she is, like, the it girl of the school, kind of. But at the same time, she doesn't have a lot of friends. Or, like, people will talk to her and think she's hot, but she's not, like... It's just interesting, like, the social dynamics of high school, you know? Like, there's the one kind of, like, emo kid, and he has his emo friends and stuff, but then there is talking to Needy, or there, he has a crush on Jennifer, whatever. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, like, I, I kind of had a different high school experience because it wasn't, like, super clicky. Mm. But it, it is interesting how Jennifer is never defined by that. Yeah, she's, like, on the outside of it somehow, but... Well, and I feel like, for me being a teenage girl, it was more of the... Especially, like, 18-year-old me. Mm -hmm. There was a part of me that, like, felt like... Like, my insecurities... Because I think at that age, you're so insecure or you're vulnerable. It's because you're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And you're really just trying to, like find your footing and be safe yeah. in whatever you can use. Like, Jennifer uses her sexuality a lot, mm -hmm. which I can definitely relate to, like, using her just being a female yeah. to kind of get the upper hand on guys like the Chris Pratt character. Right. Or the emo kid. Well, that's a little different because she's eating voice at that point. Like, at the, at the bar, she's like, Play Hello Titty with the bartender. Yeah, because that's all she has. Or putting on makeup or wearing shorts. That's all she thinks she has right now. Mm. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, even, like, me, just hell as a teenage girl, 
going back, like, I felt that in my core. Just being like, I don't know why I'm sad, or I don't know why I'm angry, but I feel like I need to listen to Fiona Apple and the Smiths. Yeah. <laughs> and just, for some reason, be depressed. Just for Just some aesthetically. <laughs> but, but yeah, this movie is obviously... Did it resonate with you at all? As far as the like those feminist aspects or female aspects, I should say. Yeah, no, it definitely did. Like, it makes sense to me. Like, I feel like I don't know. I feel like Needy and Jennifer, like, they're very different, but they represent maybe different parts of ourselves in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because they're also pretty extreme. I don't know. I feel like Needy is like the complete opposite of Jennifer in a lot of ways. They're like really kind of shy or under. You know what I mean? Like just. But I feel like, I don't know if anyone's exactly needy. Like, she's, like, afraid of a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like, she's, I mean, she comes around and and stuff. But she's also like, Mom! Like, you know what I mean? And I don't know. We don't really see that in Jennifer. She's just kind of, she kind of comes off as badass to me. So I think that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know where I was going with that. But I feel like they could maybe represent different, you know what I, I mean? So. Like it's There's certain things, like, with Jennifer, like, being insecure about certain things it's like I feel like we all can relate to that like just as like just being a woman just or a young girl you know a teenage girl for sure and then just I don't know I think it's how we deal with that yeah you know like or how we're portrayed and in the world and how or like what what character we put on in the world you know I think it's a teenage girl especially like you, like, find out quick. Am I a needy? Am I a Jennifer? I gotta s- slip into this. Yeah. You know? Like, roll. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. But talking about all this seems crazy because this movie wasn't marketed this way. Mm-hmm. At all. It was, like, the Megan Fox's hot show. Yeah. So this mar- like movie was Twilight for Boys, as Roger Ebert says. How could this be a success? It just, it seems crazy because, well, we at that time were not thinking like this, Um, but also, like, why would teenage boys care? I was gonna say, what, I wonder what the male, like, perspective is on this movie, or if it's like, oh, she's hot, like, I'm gonna watch, or be like, oh, wow, that's, but it's, the payoff isn't that much, I feel like, for, like, compared to some horror movies, like, you I don't know, there isn't any real nudity. Like, the sex scene isn't even, like, sexy. It's just kind of, like, two people having sex for the first time. It's, like, slightly awkward. It's kind of... Or even, like, I know in the trailer, it's um, Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox, like, making out. Oh, yeah. And when they do, it, I mean, it's hot for, like, a second, but then it's also, like, there's, like, a purpose to it as well. I can see why they put that in the trailer, though, because I feel like that does probably get people to watch, especially maybe guys, but it's... I feel like that's a thing, too, like, in some horror movies, like, I don't know. I'm trying to remember what, I I feel like I've seen it, like, lesbian undertones sometimes, or. It reminds me of, do you remember when Black Swan came out? Yes, that's what it reminds me of, too. I was trying to think what, yes. And I remember still being in high school, but I remember going to see Black Swan being like, this is my new favorite movie, I love this movie. And not really thinking about that scene. Yeah. And then going to school, 
and a bunch of dudes being like, I went to see Black Swan this weekend for that scene. Uh-huh. And I kept thinking to myself, why would they watch this movie? This movie is like a great film, but uh-huh. like, no offense, but like a little above their heads. Mm. But at, you know what? If it gets people cool. to watch or like a Darren Aronofsky film, like, so be it. But yeah. it just like blew my mind. I was like, wow, you go to see a movie just for that that five minutes or less? Mm-hmm. Right on. Guess so. That's how you get them. <laughs> I guess so. Good thing that movie wasn't marketed that way, then. <laughs> There'd be no Oscar for Natalie Portman if that was the case. Oh, no. Yeah. But yeah. So, like, Roger Ebert did dub it Twilight for Boys. And he did give a positive review, though. He gave it three out of four stars. And he said... As a movie about a flesh-eating cheerleader, it's better than it has to be. Um, Ebert said that within Cody, there is the soul of an artist, and her screenplay brings to this material a certain edge, a kind of gleeful relish that's uncompromising. This isn't your assembly line teen horror thriller. Um, Additionally, he complimented Fox as coming through in her portrayal and playing the role straight. Which I agree. I really think this role was made for Megan Fox, and she... Yeah, she really does the damn thing. She really does. Like, she delivers her lines perfectly. And even just her facial expressions. or You know what I mean? Like, she just, like, she's fully in this character. Like, it's very convincing. Like, she's just, like, she does this thing, too, with her eyes. Or It seems like she's almost off somewhere else sometimes. But I don't know. Maybe that's intentional, too. Because maybe. You know what I mean? She's possessed or she's preoccupied with things. Like, I don't know. She's got a lot going on. Like, I think similarly with Elliot Page, the way Megan Fox um, says Diablo Cody's dialogue, like the way she interprets the dialogue, Mm -hmm. it's just like she gets it. And I think that's very special because Cody has such a unique voice, Mm -hmm. but not everyone can, you know, with, with, I don't know, just the way it's written. I don't think it's, not every actor you know, and why would you think Megan Fox? Because she's only done Transformers. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I just think she did a really good job. No, she played this really well. And um, I don't know. Like, I love the scene where she just sets her tongue on fire. And just, you know what I mean? Like, just like things like that where she's just like, she seems evil sometimes, like for real. And it's like kind of spooky, you know? And it's like, ooh, it's dark. But then it's like, she's hilarious. Like she says, it's like so funny to me that like after the, the whole tavern burns down, And the next day at school, she's like, yeah, okay, so what? She's like, who cares? And, or, like, the teacher's talking about the tragedies, like, all these students dying, and she's like, boring. Like, yes. Oh, my gosh. I, so, when that happens, I'm I'm assuming we're not going to really talk about this movie, like, super linearly, Mm -hmm. but I love how, so, you know, Jennifer wants to go to see this band called low shoulder which is like adam brody's fronted band you know right and after it burns down etc etc like it's like a town tragedy yeah and i love jk simmons as the teacher who's getting so like beclumped and like everyone's just like like all of a sudden like making that song like through the trees Mm -hmm. they're like anthem and they're just like 
they're like sipping the Kool-Aid, the tragedy Kool-Aid hard, and Jennifer is like the only one, and no one cares. They're just like full tragedy mode. Yeah, no, she is hilarious. Like, also, why does the teacher have a hook hand? Like, I just love that little um, embellishment. It's just like so interesting to add to his personality. I don't know. He's so good. I love J.K. Simmons in that wig, too. Like, that curly. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm just so used to seeing him bald. Right? I know. They gave him a little something. Like, he was still kind of bald on top, but it was like... Some light. And some long locks, too. (laughs) Some, like, um, old-timey curls. Some Ben Franklin curls. Yes. He did. He was looking like Ben Franklin. Uh, What was I going to say? Oh, I also love how it's, like, um like, a very Tom's moment or a Warby Parker situation where, like, a low shoulder, it's announced that they're going to donate 3% of their profits to the oh, town. Yeah. And, like, Amanda Seyfried is maybe just like, wait a second, that's not a lot. Yeah. Like, and everyone's like, don't you dare say anything. That like, part was so funny. That's why I feel like this movie's, like, made for now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's how I feel about every single tragedy we have and every single exploitation of a tragedy we have. Honestly, yeah. It's like, it's just so much more relevant now. No, I I agree. I feel like, I don't know, uh, low shoulder's really annoying. And, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do something to benefit the people, like, Mimi was like, yeah, what about the other 97%? Like, you just, I mean, yeah, at least donate a good chunk to, I love the the Asian girl being like, you shut your mouth. Yeah, she did. She was like, shut your mouth. How um, dare you say anything bad about them? She is Twitter. The person embodiment of Twitter. <gasps> oh my god, yes. <laughs> but I didn't realize that upon this viewing, I didn't realize how much of 9-11, or like the aftermath of 9-11. Like, did you pick up on those, that commentary? I don't think I did. So, like, when Jennifer and Needy are in the bar, and Jennifer obviously has the hots for Adam Brody, yeah. and offers to buy him a drink, and it's the 9-11 tribute shooter, and when she's like, you know, like, you have to sip it fast, or it turns brown, and he's like, I'll make sure to sip it fast. It's a, you know, it's a 9-11 tribute, and then everything goes oh. fire. And then, when they're in the classroom, one of the girls mentions... What was it? Oh, okay. So she talks about, like, Operation Freedom. Like, her dad was involved with Operation Freedom. Hmm. And all of this, it's, like, weird to think about because it's, like, 20 years ago since 9-11 happened. But, you know, afterwards, how, like, very soon afterwards, we were buying 9-11 commemorative hats. And t-shirts, and mm-hmm. there was, like, merch, and I, I, I see the, these, like, I see the 9-11 commentary now in exploitative culture around that, and, like, oh, talking okay. about the proceeds from Low Shoulder, and, yeah, so. No, I get what they're saying. That's so weird to have, like, a, a shooter that's, like, named after a 9-11, like, a, a drink. I don't know, that's so weird. But, yeah, I do remember that time, like, t-shirt, like, it was a thing, but... I mean, it sort of made sense, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. We do it all the time now. We do. No, we really do. It makes even more sense now. For real. 
Well, speaking of low shoulder, what are your thoughts on Adam Brody? More specifically, with black eyeliner. I mean, he looks cute, but he's also just really annoying in this movie, I think. Just because, well, he's like a grown man. And I don't know, I think it always bothers me how there's a grown man and like a teenage girl. Like, it's just like there's always like an ick factor or like a lead singer. Like, you know, I don't know. I feel like it, it's kind of just representative of the real world, though, because I'm sure this happens. Like, we've heard things, or, like, remember when, like, we heard all that stuff about, like, Chris Elliott? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, I mean, he's not a, uh, he's not, like, a part of an indie band, but I'm pretty sure he'd make a deal with the devil to be famous. He probably did. You know? <laughs> he probably did. He sacrificed. Not the stars any Someone who thought was a virgin and wasn't. Uh. And now there's someone out there just. Just eating men. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I I love Adam Brody. I don't know if you know this about me. I do know this about you. But, yeah, that's, like, we've been always, since, like, the OC days, like, one of my number one crushes. How do you feel about him with the eyeliner, then, and his, like, whole look in this movie? Like, is it hot or not? Hot. Okay. This, Adam Brody in anything, just does it for me. Mm-hmm. Especially now. As he's gotten older, just always, always slaps. Yeah. And I love his, like, I think it's, I think this is Max Mulder around his eyes. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling in my core. But as someone that was, like, constantly seduced as an 18-year-old by, like, dudes that look like that, hipster dudes, uh-huh. I get it. Because they can also be predatory. It's not just, like, I love how it wasn't the Chris Pratt-looking dude. Yeah. It was, you know, right. the sensitive singer type. Just because he's wearing eyeliner don't mean he has good intentions. <laughs> but this being was But hot. Lilith was hot. What what do you what do you think then about that Colin kid? Like were you were you into emo boys ever as like a yeah. teenager? Would you be like Oh no 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 not like that. Okay. Or is that too far? <laughs> Just he was doing too much. Okay. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, Adam Brody, yes, I was into that. Yeah. Colin, nah. I was just wondering. Were you? No. <laughs> but I was just, I felt like they had, like, similar aesthetics. Like, maybe it was just the eyeliner and the haircut. There's only so many haircuts in this film, too. Like, boys have, like, two different kind of haircuts. You know what I mean? Like, it's either the emo cut or, like... It's not exactly Justin Bieber, but it's that weird, long, flippy do, whatever that, like, chip had. I don't know what that's called. It's basically the Bieber. Basically. It's, like, a longer, like, slightly, unless his head was just long, I don't know. But you know what's crazy about, like, the Bieber flippy cut? Hmm. I feel like 2009 was the last year you could do that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That was, like, as that was going out. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, 2010 on... I remember seeing boys just, like, I had a crush on with flippy hair and then seeing them with, like, a normal haircut and being like, ooh. Yeah, you're not cute. Normal hair? Get that away from me. Well, no, because, you know, the bangs. Yeah. The foreheads. It really covers things. Yeah. No, I, I get what um, No. Um, my boyfriend now is basically what I was into in high school. Gotcha. What were you into in high school? I don't even know. I don't think I was into anyone. I wasn't, like, 
I don't know. I kind of was into nerdy guys for like two seconds. And then there was this guy that was cute, but he kind of looked like a girl. And I was like, oh. But he, he had the flippy hair. I, I don't know. I think I might have been attracted to the hair flip a little bit. Was this like Once Upon a Time era, or is that afterwards? This is before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Were you like Robert Pattinson fangirling? Do you know oh, yeah, <laughs> I had to think about who that was. Yeah, it's Robert Pattinson. Um, I wasn't that it, like okay. I was like, yeah, I guess he's objectively hot, but I was like, I was oddly into like the like the older vampire like doctor guy. Oh, that one. Yeah, with the slightly crooked nose and the blondish hair. I don't know. I think it's just noses. I don't know. I wasn't attracted to a lot of things. It was very. I don't know. I don't know how it works with me. It's it's very random, very specific. I know. We've done this podcast for almost a year, and I think I've only heard you maybe Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, yeah. I just don't know if I have an exact type. I don't know. I'll just know it when I see it. I just picture you being like, yeah, I have a type, and it's just a cutout of Adrian Brody's nose, (laughs) just like walking. (laughs) Yeah. Little feet on his nose. Oh, basically. Him, um... Introducing Sean Paul oh on my SNL. Gosh, just the put hair. the nose. Just the nose. Oh my gosh. And the dreads. Yeah. With the fake Rastafarian hat with the dreads. Oh my god. Sean DePaul. Sean DePaul. From <laughs> Bruce Tech. <laughs> <laughs> it really does have a lot of things you like, though, Bruce. That is true. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. So, just on the low shoulder tip. What do you think about Through the Trees? Bop or not? Bad song. Terrible song. Not even catchy. And this is, it makes me so, this is what makes me so mad. Like, this song is the anthem of the town or the tragedy or whatever and, like, kind of the movie. But it, it does, I feel like it makes fun of itself because it, there's, like, a scene where they're in the high school, like, putting up these huge posters about the Through the Trees concert coming up. And it's just, like, I feel needy. Like, the way she's reacting and just, like, oh, oh, my God, this dang song again it's like on the radio it's like i don't know it's not even a good song and then just the fact that it was like it's all their fault that all this shit's happening and they're the ones that are reaping these benefits makes me so angry like i don't know i kind of want to like like i don't don't know i don't know i want to like talk about the ending in a way let's talk about the ending just because, like, this band makes me so angry, and, like, I feel like they got their comeuppance, right? Like, but I kind of thought that Jennifer would be the one to eat them alive or something. But maybe it's because they weren't around and they weren't in town, and I don't know. What What do you think? Well, that's my, my theory is that, okay, so Needy kills Jennifer. Yeah. The death of Jennifer is the death of the male gaze. Mm. So the only one that can kill them is Needy. Yeah. Because Needy doesn't represent anything like that. She's the real final girl. She's the one who didn't go in that van. She's the one, you know, that wanted to be on the straight and narrow. The one that didn't care about how she looked to the outside world. Who was just being herself, you know? Mm. So is it satisfying, though? Or is it, like, I don't know. And I feel like it is in a way, 
like, that she's the one to, because she's also, in a way, like, avenging her friend, because mm-hmm. essentially they've already kind of killed Jennifer in a lot of ways. Like, she's already pretty much dead. Like, I feel like this demon has, like, aspects of Jennifer, probably, but there's still, or maybe there's a part of her that's alive. So it's just very confusing, because it's all supernatural and stuff, right? But it's, like, how much is it, you know, like, if this were the real world... <laughs> Say, like, one of us got possessed by you. How would you, how can you trust that person now? You know what I mean? Like, it's true. Or is that something you just live with? It's just, like, the demon's just part of you? Like, how big of, I don't know. These are questions that I have. I don't know. If anyone's, like, a demon expert. (laughs) Well, see, that's not even how I interpret the movie. Mm. Like, I, in a way, interpret it as Jennifer was never a real girl. Oh, dang. Like, she was always kind of empty, like, or... Yeah, she was empty because... Which I'm only saying this because I feel like I relate to this. Okay. But, you know, from the jump straight, she's wanting... She's, like, mindlessly looking at the ads on how to be working out and getting thinner. Like, she's focused on her body. She's never really focused on... She's focused on boys. She's not really focused on herself Mm. you know it's how to get this outside validation from men Mm. so when she goes to the bar Mm. and basically she's like which is so diablo cody speak but she's like adam brody's so salty oh yeah i want him she's giving up her soul Already she's already given soul. up her soul. She's already given up a long time like ago. Like, her choices. Oh. Or the fact, like, just going in a van. I feel mm-hmm. like that's so sketch. Like, how are you gonna go in a van? Like, not. I mean, I know it seems like she's been through a tragedy, but at the same time, no. d- did she cause that fire? Like, something in her eyes is like, ooh, there's a fire. You know what? Do you feel that? Like, when you were watching it? Or is that just like... I do, but I don't know if that's to, like, trip you up the set. Probably. But I just thought that was so interesting. I don't know. Because she seems a little, like, evil from the get-go in a way. Like, just, like, I don't know. Like, I thought she was going to totally, like, I thought when she got in that van that she was just going to eat them. Like, I just kind of assumed that she was a cannibal or something. I don't know. I don't know. It was just interesting to me. But, like, if we talk, if we're going to talk about the scene at the bar, so, like, Low Shoulder only wants her because they want to sacrifice a virgin mm-hmm. and they are like Megan like Jennifer is easy essentially and Needy kind of steps in and is like don't talk to my friend yeah. she's a virgin which Jennifer's not mm-hmm. and I feel like Jennifer not being a virgin does turn this on its head because I've seen a lot of movies where the girl projects that she's like more of a slutty character but she's actually a virgin I like how there was no judgment on that aspect. Yeah. At least from the writing perspective. Like, obviously, like, Little, Sh- little Shoulder wants a virgin, yada yada. Right. But it doesn't work because she's not a virgin. True. Like, they didn't kill her. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, Little Shoulder, they, they're, like, how do you, how do you word it? Like, they are horrible. <laughs> yeah. But they're um they're wanting to sacrifice a virgin to yeah. become famous. famous. Oh my god, this is what got me. This is the part that really cracked me up. And this part is at the end because it does it it ties it all together. It's like 
Because we never really know what happens when she gets taken away in the van. Till you know, it's just like craziness. Which I gotta say, why didn't Needy just call like Jennifer's mom or someone? Instead, she just goes home. Well, she calls her boyfriend, but what's he gonna do? You know what I mean? Like, you can call the police. It's also crazy that like up until the end. You would think that Jennifer, like, does not have parents or anything. Yes. And you're like, oh, she just has a mom that cares? Right. After, after all this. That's what I'm saying. Like, she never, it's, I felt like that too. I was like, well, yeah, where are her parents? Do, do they care? Because we see Meanie's mom a lot, and she's, like, I guess a single mom, but she seems, like, cool and she cares. Right? But it doesn't seem like Jennifer's mom's a bad mom. It seems like she's actually a mom. She's just a mom. Yeah. But she's just, maybe Jennifer keeps secrets and doesn't tell her. I don't know. It's interesting that they chose not to focus on that at all, like that relationship. But anyways, what really got me is that scene in the woods where they're sacrificing Jennifer and the guy's getting ready to stab her. And he's just like, do you know Adrian, or not Adrian, see, now I got to think about Adrian Brody. Adam Brody is like, you know how hard it is for an indie band nowadays to make it big? He was like, we want to be big, like Maroon 5. That was my favorite part, too. Like that guy from Maroon 5. I was just like, wow. They got their priorities wrong, but okay. No, I think it was hilarious, though, that he's like, don't you want to be Maroon 5 famous to the other bandmates? Yeah. It's so fucked up, though, how before they stab her, they, like, tease her and start singing Jenny. Yes! Eight six seven five three zero nine. That part like disturbed me, but also was kind of funny because I don't know. I think it's just slow motion sometimes in movies. Like, also it is like a comedy horror, so I think it was like I don't think it was funny exactly. It was more funny as in like uncomfortable, like a weird. I don't know how to describe it. It gave me weird feelings though. I was like, this is really fucked up, and I was like, damn, like they're really. This is shitty. Like, Adam Brody really reminds me of Dusa. I know. Yeah. Like, hardcore. But he plays this role very well. He does. Yeah. Like, have you seen Ready or Not? Mm mm. It's a good Halloween wreck. Okay. Ready or Not's great. Talk about a final girl, Samara Weaving. Yeah. Correct. But, um, yeah, I like Adam Brody as this, like, smarmy dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He does it well. Because it's, like, super unsettling, but charming. Yeah, he's still cute. Unfortunately, you know? Anything else? Oh, can I um, mention some of my favorite quotes? Yes. Or just favorite moments? Yes, please. Okay. I think it's hilarious how right out of the gate, um, like, opening of the film... Jennifer and Needy are just like, hello, Monostat. Hi, Bachelor. Yeah. And that's what they call each other. It's, it's kind of cute and funny and weird, you know? I love when Chip um, tells her, if he's salty, you're soy sauce. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like salty has a totally different meaning in this movie than it does, like, right now. Like, yes. I feel like we need to reclaim this word salty and use it as intended in Jennifer's body. It's true. Okay, Adam Brody. I was gonna say Adrian Brody again. <laughs> also, Adrian Brody is salty. Adrian Brody is salty. Are they related? Adrian and Adam Brody. They just have the last same last name. And kind of look like Adrian Brody is like if you stretched out in every like aspect, Adam Brody. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Taller, longer nose, like longer limbs, big cheekbones. 
I mean, not big, face. but longer face. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously nice and salt Hannah Montana. Mm-hmm. Or, what is that aquamarine quote? Which is like, it's a former Tumblr girl, you'd think I'd know. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so when Colin gets the nerve to ask her out, he invites her to go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show at like some venue, and she's like, ugh, I don't like, um, what is it, like, boxing, boxing movies? movies? Yeah, and he's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess because Rocky, like... That's hilarious. That made me laugh. And then she's like, wait, because after Nita was like, yeah, you know what, I think he's actually kind of cool. And she's like, you do? Okay. And she's like, hey, you know what, Colin, why don't you just come over tonight? I got Aquamarine on DVD. Like, I just got it. And like... Uh, it's about... What is it? What is the quote? I'm going to find it. Okay. I just got Aquamarine on DVD. It's about a girl who's, like, half sushi. She must have had sex with a blowhole or something. <laughs> I love how she, like, tried to seduce him. Because, like, there was, like, a bit of a pause when she says it about, like, the blowhole. And it's like, wait, if you're if that didn't get you, blowholes. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, there has to be some type of sexual connotation, I guess. Because Aquamarine is not that kind of movie at all. Like, it's like... I so like that. <laughs> Oh, also, Brie. Yeah. When she does seduce Colin, and she takes him to that abandoned house. Yes. Her seduction music selection. Oh my god! Yes! I thought of you immediately. It's Akon. I want to love you. Akon. Slim shady. Yeah, it literally is like, starts at the very beginning of the song. It's like, I see you winding and grinding. (laughs) This is the music she sets to seduce this emo boy, and it, they're literally in an abandoned, like, a house that's under construction, and there's tons of candles, like, tons, and it's so it's supposed to be, like, a romantic scene, I guess, and this boy is so dumb, though. Like, yes. the fact that he goes into this place, this neighborhood's completely empty, it's sketchy. He has her phone, why not just call? His, I know. He, they're texting. Yeah, they're texting. It's one text that's like, meet me at this address. And he's like, okay. Because there's light on at the very top. But he breaks in through a window and then goes through, like, whatever those plastic sheets of, like, the plastic flaps. I don't know what that is, like, to where a doorway's supposed to be. Yeah, like a construction. Construction flaps. Construction flaps. I don't know. But I'm like, dude, like, if I saw that and then there's a crow, I would not have gone that far. I would have been like, hey, like, am I at the right place? Or... Something, but I get it. It's a horror movie. They gotta build the suspense. Also, he's like, you know, he's supposed to be. Supposed to be. That's what she says to him too. He's not that tough. He's a sensitive soul. Yeah. I don't know. Did you have any others? Because I have a few. Yeah, yeah. Lay them on me. Okay. Well, following up on that scene, I love that they show her eating him, like in the shadow, like from the candlelight. Like you see her shadow, (gasps) and she's like eating his guts and stuff. It looked really cool. When she's eating him, it's it looks sexual. Oh. In the shadow, it kind of, like, you can see the ongulation of her, like, back. Oh, yeah, yeah, booty. yeah, Um, which is very reminiscent of the scene where, with, um, I forget the character name, but it's Susan Sarandon and the nerdy guy in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. I think that's a reference. I bet you it is, because he was inviting her to Rocky Horror. Thought about that. This movie's smart. This I do feel like there's more layers. I feel like if I watch this again, I'd probably pick up more things. But um, this movie is like to quote Hannah Montana, not insult her, but to quote her. This movie is like you know how we usually watch a lot of movies 
from the 90s, early 2000s that are irreverent, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they're very light. Yeah. Like a Rami and Michelle, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But then we've also, we did a series a couple, like, months and months ago now, where we watch, like, Saving Private Ryan and, like, Academy Award winning films. And, like, ever since then, we've kept it on the light train. Uh-huh. But we've never known how to mix them. I feel like this is the closest we're going to get. Well, I mean, they're few and far between, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. this movie's funny and self-referential and, like, a good commentary and has all those pop culture nuggets. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, smart. Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit scary in some parts. Like, there is that suspense element. Like, it's... There are some moments where it's kind of gory. I still don't know if it should... I feel like this should be, like, a 17 or PG-13. I don't think it's that. I don't think it should be rated R. I don't, I looked at, like, the trailer, too. Like, usually it has, like... Mm-hmm. It's, like, for nudity or this or that. But it didn't really say. Because they don't even, have, like, curse that much. It's, like... I don't know what they say that's... I think do. when I read it, I think... They knew it wasn't going to get a PG-13 because of the language. Oh. But it just seems so silly. Doesn't it? Like, especially now. I don't know. I feel like I've seen so many movies with worse. Or, like, more, even more gory. Like, some of the gore in this is not, like, it's not that scary. Like, you can kind of tell it's fake in a lot of ways. Like, when we see Colin's body. Like, it is kind of gross. Like, ew, but you know it's fake. And then, like, the vomit, like... The first scene, like, where she vomits, like, it looks black goo. Yeah, it's, like, black goo, and it's moving, but it's, like, not, like... Like, because I've seen a lot of horror movies, like, you know, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or things like that, where it's, like, hard to actually look at, and you will be scarred, Like, 2003, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, some of those bits are gnarly. Yeah, like, really gnarly. It's good, but gnarly. I agree. I don't know. But I I really love the scene where she, like, basically that first night after she's been, like, kidnapped or whatever, and then she shows up in Needy's uh, kitchen, just, mm-hmm. like, covered in blood and stuff, and then she goes, like, she's still hungry, I guess, so she opens the fridge, and there's, like, a chicken, and he's like, wait, my mom just got that at Boston Market, and we're not supposed to, and then she's like, ah, and she just, like, growls at her, and she's, like, eating it off the floor like a crazy person, like a deranged animal or something, like, it's... I don't know. I don't know why. It just made me laugh. It just... <laughs> I love I love that bit, too, because I love how Needy's like, we got it from the Boston Market. No. It's like the little things of this movie. Like, I don't know. The little details make it, I think. Agreed. Especially the dialogue. Another part that really got me was um, the scene where she's, like, seducing the, like, football star or whatever. I think he's the main football dude, right? Yeah. And um, she takes him off into the woods, and then the teacher hears the boy screaming in the woods, and he's like, oh, let it out, kids. Just let it out. Let your feelings out. He thinks he's just, like, screaming because his best friend died or something, but... J.K. Simmons is so good. He's so funny. I don't know. This movie's got a lot of great moments. Yeah. Any other ones or any other, like, Um, moments? Let's see. Because if not... Can we talk a little bit more about the fashion? Yes. Oh, just one last thing that she said was, like, you know the scene where she takes Chip to, like, the abandoned, like, pool house or whatever, and then Needy, like, 
she runs there and finds him, like, with a bite out of his neck or whatever. Yeah. There's a point where Jennifer's, like, levitating, and, like, she's like, whoa, she's flying, and he's like, yeah, she's just levitating, though. It's not that impressive. And then Jennifer's she's, like, do you remember what You're always said? trying to undermine me. Yeah, and then she's like, you're such a player here. <laughs> yes. Oh. I don't know. She definitely had the best lines. Like, her sass was just so funny. I agree. But yeah, that, that was the last one I could think of. But the fashion. Let's talk about the fashion. Okay. So Katya Stano was the costume designer. And so, just because I'm a a labels queen. So like Needy, her knit beanie is from Anthropology. I love that knit beanie, by the way. That spoke to me. It's like a multicolored, like cozy looking beanie. Um, yes. It looks like something you would wear. I, I was about to say, I feel like I would totally <laughs> rock that beanie. Um, I also love, it's just so 2009, the Marc Jacobs cardigans mm-hmm. that Needy wears. It's very, like, that certain girl. Like, that very, like, hipster 2009 girl, which I like. But I didn't know. So, you know, when you're the costume designer for a film... You have to think about, especially, like, if you're going to get fake blood on things or just for continuity, you want to get multiples, right? Mm-hmm. So, Katya Stano went to the mall mm-hmm. and was trying to find, you know, something for Megan Fox to wear. And so that heart print jacket, yeah, it's actually Gap Kids. I love that. That's, like, I think my favorite look in this whole uh, movie that Jennifer wears because I mean she's the one with the most like fashion sense let's be real like, for real I don't know Needy's just kind of I mean the beanie's cute but she's not like bringing out these looks like Jennifer's bringing out the look well costumes Halloween costumes every year there's at least one girl that's either devil's kettle cheer mm-hmm. or the pink <sighs> go on devil's kill right now you can probably get both of those costumes probably but, oh, also, so anytime a character wears white, mm-hmm. there's going to be gore. There's going to be blood, there's going to be gore. So the first time we see it is Megan Fox wearing the puffer jacket, the white puffer jacket at the bar. Yes. And then the dress before the prom scene, Jennifer is wearing white. Yes. And that's when... All the stuff in the pool happens with her and Chip and Needy. That's so interesting. Yeah. So is, is that like in a lot of horror films too that they do that? Or well, okay. So Katya Stiano was quoted saying, "Anytime somebody wears white, gore is about to happen because they don't want to pay for squibs and blood if you're not going to see it. So every time you watch a horror movie, just check who's wearing the lightest shirt, and they're usually going to be the first to go." I feel like I want to just, like, pay attention more than <laughs> Me too. Go watch horror movies to see. Because that, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, last fashion bit. So, 2009. Mm-hmm. I feel it in my core because I had some. I probably have still kept them. Jennifer wears leg warmers. Yes. I had a pair of American Apparel leg warmers that I, like, coveted. Why leg warmers? Why was this a thing? I don't know, but I vaguely remember leg warmers being a thing, too. And I still have my leg warmers. Why? No one even works out. This isn't the 80s. 
No, but it was fun to pretend. I don't know. And then I remember, do you remember like knee-high socks? Or not mm-hmm. knee-high, thigh-high socks. Like sweater yes. socks. You know what I'm talking about? It's like really super cozy socks. But like... The Gossip Girl. Like the, Bl- the Blake Lively influence. I would have the knee-highs and then I'd put on a chunky heel mm-hmm. over them. I just think that's interesting. Like leg warmers and really high... Like, really high socks. Like, that was a similar vibe. Because it was, like, what's the purpose? Like, and it's not practical. Like, there are times, though, I think leg warmers are a good idea. Like, if it's cold and you don't have a pair of boots, kind of make up for it. You took, like, a bar slash, like, Pilates class. Yeah. Come out with some leg warmers. Hey, we, you know, we went to, we took some ballet classes and wore leg warmers. That kind of worked. That's the purpose. Ballet core is in style right now, Brie. Yeah. I dig it. I don't know. I'm here for leg warmers. I think they're cute. I just like in high school, I would wear those thigh highs, like socks, mm-hmm. with an oversized Marc Jacobs or Marc Jacobs dupe cardigan. Doesn't Jennifer wear like leg warmers too? Like just kind of casually, mm-hmm. like and like I don't know, like in her underwear and a t-shirt, mm-hmm. like just chilling. Mm-hmm. How they were warm. Yeah. Back in my day. <laughs> any other, any other fashion? Um, she had, like, a pair of, I don't know if they were, like, juicy, but they, she did have, like, some type of, um, velour type of pants that were, like, hot pink that looked like, you know, they were, like, low rise. So I think they were, like, a reference, maybe, to Juicy Couture or something similar. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They were probably juicy, right? I'm guessing. Because I remember it was a thing, too. Like, she wore a lot of, like, v-necks. Mm-hmm. Which v-necks were a thing. I feel like we are, like, coming back now. But for, like, ten years, I didn't see v-necks. Yeah. So, like, the v-neck white shirt with the... Is that what you're talking about? And then the... I think so. Yeah. It's just the pants stood out to me. The track pants. The track pants, yeah. They were probably juicy. And then, like I said before, just, like, the, the half hoodie situation with the low rise. Like really speaks to me. I feel like I wore a lot of those kind of hoodies, like in high school, with the cami. I don't know. It was it was a thing. I miss camis aren't made like they used to. <sighs> They're really not. The moment of silence for like the good camis. <laughs> for real, those Abercrombie camis. Yes, no, those were great. And like with the lace, like there was <gasps> one those Hollister has. ones. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know why I got so excited. <laughs> It's a time. Because. You know what's also a time? Mm. The soundtrack. Yes. My, you know, you know what's terrible sometimes, though? Taking notes on your phone, it, like, autocorrects. So my note says soundtrack is Bitcoin, which I don't... <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think... I think it's supposed to say bitchin'. <laughs> but my phone... It's Bitcoin. <laughs> my phone corrected it to Bitcoin. So, it, okay, I'm going to list the soundtrack. So, Kiss with a Fist, Florence and the Machine, mm-hmm. which, is this problematic? Maybe. Does it slap? Yes. yes. How is it problematic, though? I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of oh, like. Oh, the song itself? Yeah. Because it's like, it's kind of like. you once, give a slap. And you break a plate over my head. But isn't it kind of, isn't it, like, to me, it's kind of, well, I guess this song is also problematic, but you know, like, you know the song with m 
venom. It's indie. And... I love the way you lie. Yes, it is, right? And yeah. And set fire to the bed. Like, no one's literally setting fire to someone's bed. I mean, hopefully not. No. It's like a... It's about a bad relationship. Yeah. I think... I don't think anyone's actually smashed a plate over her head. Hopefully not. You know what I mean? You know how they say, like, sing from experience... Or write from experience. But I think some things are just, like... Is allegory the right word? I don't know. I'm trying to sound smart. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Anyway, continue. Um, new perspective, Panic at the Disco. Not bad. No. I mean, I remember Panic at the Disco. I did. There's a song by Little Boots, which I remember Little Boots, because that was, like, in line with, like, do you remember Gold Frap? Or, yes. uh, like, LaRue. LaRue, yes. Lady Hawk. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Dashboard Confessional song. There is a Cute Is What We Aim For song, Hmm. Cobra Starship, All Time Low. My personal favorite, if you saw me in high school with my iPod Classic, Earbuds In, I was listening to I'm Not Gonna Teach Your Boyfriend How to Dance With You. Yes. Yes. When that song came on in the movie, I was like, holy shit, they got this in here? Like, this is such a good song, because I was obsessed with that one, too. I don't know why. I was like, yeah. It fits the vibe, too. I don't know. I still like that song. I can't. It's so good. Um, what else? I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so what about that song? What about the, like, punk kind of rock emo version of I Can See Clearly Now by Screeching Weasel? How did you feel about that? Were you like, this is a vibe? Or is it like, this is cringy? Hot take? I don't like that song in general. Mm-hmm. Not even what it plays on, in the movie Shrek? No. Play me Le- Living La Vida Loca. Okay. But not that one. So you just hate that song in general? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. I'll sing it. I don't mind it, actually. It's it doesn't. It's not here nor there. It's not, I wouldn't go out of my way. But if it's on, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, sure. I think that punk pop cover also doesn't do it for me like you know in Freaky Friday how there's like that like the Ramones cover of What a Wonderful World yeah like that's that one that slaps. slaps yeah um and then there's a Silver Sun pickup song I thought of you when I saw that and I heard I was like wait a minute but also wait 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 I like how this movie closes out with and on the soundtrack it says who is Lizzie Truly? But Ready for the Floor, isn't that by Hot Chip? You know? Is it? Yeah, it's by Hot Chip. It is. Yeah. I, this, yep. oh, that used to be on every playlist of mine. I remember that song too. Some Santa Gold. Yeah, that's the only thing the soundtrack's missing is a little Santa Gold. I was surprised though with the Florence and Machine song in there. I was like, but it was good. I feel like it fit the moment of the um of the movie because let's I've I made a note about it. Two thousand nine, like when Florence and the Machine first came out. I had never personally heard anything like her before. I was just like transfixed. 
Right. Kiss with a Fist was never, like, my song, but it was, like, the popular one. But just Lungs in general's amazing. That's an amazing album. Lungs is so good. Yeah, I remember having an obsession with Florence Machine when she was, like, just, I don't know, just popping up and stuff. Still bucket list to see her live. Yes. Amen. I've, I've told you this off mic, but, like, I've met police dudes that were, like, I've seen Florence and the Machine live. And it was a spiritual experience where I've cried. So, like, I believe it. I mean, I've seen her, I mean, just seeing her, like, music videos or just her performing live and just the way she sings, it is a spiritual experience, so. But ceremonials? Who needs to go to church? Just go to a Florence and the Machine concert. Only if for the night is my religion. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I also love, so this movie's called Jennifer's Body. Which Hole has a song called Jennifer's Body. And I'm a big Hole fan. Yes. But the song that they play at the end, they play a Hole song, but they play Violet by Hole. Oh, interesting. Okay. But wait, what came first then? The movie or the song? Because it's a song. Is the movie inspired by the song? It has to be. It has to be, right? Um, What are the lyrics? Hole came out in 1994. I'm just, like, reading the lyrics, because I'm just, like, curious, because this movie seems to have a lot of references. There's a part about... Yeah, it's famously named after the whole song. But, okay, they're saying that Jennifer's body is played in Jennifer's body? Huh. But wait, this is the song that was played... Am I crazy? Do you remember the movie, right? Yeah. You know at the end when... Needy's killing the band. Uh-huh. This is a song that plays, right? I think so. plays right like they didn't play this song they sound a lot alike to me because I'm not I don't know maybe because I'm not as uh I sound very similar I could have sworn it was Violet but well, I'll be on the case do you have anything else to say about the soundtrack while I look this up um I just, I don't know. I enjoy the soundtrack. It's got a nice mix. It's, I like how Kiss with a Fist was like, when Needy sort of breaks up with Chip, it's like, ooh, like it's supposed to hurt. I don't know. I think my favorite part, though, like, musically, Mm -hmm. was probably when she seduces Colin with I Wanna Love You. It was just too much. It, It just cracked me up so much. It is Violet. It is. Wow. See, Nick, you have a good ear. Well, I'm just also a big whole fan. Yeah. Also, I just, like, I think that's why, also, speaking about 2009 Us, I was, that was my big whole phase. Okay. And I went to the, you know, the used CD store, still around at the time, and I, like, bought every whole CD. I downloaded it to my iPod, and I was just, like, 
inundated with it. So when a movie came out called Jennifer's Body, mm-hmm. which is a clear reference to that song, how could I not love it? You know what I was listening to? <laughs> what? To bring it all back to Twilight. I was listening to the Twilight soundtrack. How did we get here? Which has my favorite Paramore song. I caught myself. So good. It's really good. But what do you think about the Twilight soundtrack? It slaps. I mean, there's a lot of depressing slow ones, but I even liked that. Like, at the time, I was vibing with them. I mean, there'd be, like, one or two I'd skip, and then sometimes I'd come back around and be like, ooh, this slow piano song? You know what? Yeah, that's my mood today. You know? I know we're going to talk about Twilight. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that. I'm excited. So, I don't want to say too much. Nah. It's just, like, I think that's probably what I was listening to at the time. <laughs> While you were listening to your whole phase, I was probably just in a twilight phase. Because I can't remember what else I was listening to. Paramore. Paramore. Paramore came out with Brand New Eyes in 2009. Fall 2009. And we saw them in concert. One of my favorite concerts That's ever. Right. No, that one, I don't know. Out of all the concerts we've been to, that one does stick out a lot in my mind. OG lineup? Mm-hmm. Where they all hated each other? Yes. <laughs> and then they, like, broke up right after that. Yep, immediately. Right after that show. No, not really. But, but it felt like it. It was a couple shows. Yeah, it wasn't that far. No. Um, I remember being bummed when I heard that. I was, I was crestfallen. I still love Paramore. Yeah. But they're back now. They're right? back. Hey. Which, we'll talk about them in our Twilight episode, Brie. You know I love them. So I... Yeah. You best believe, Brie, when we talk about Twilight in a couple weeks... I will make a special section for Paris. Okay, I hope so. And that's my contribution, and I'll let you take the reins on a lot of other things, because I was not a Twihard. Gotcha. I'll be like, Duop Lip Venom, the Nordstrom collab, and Paramore. Just everything not related to Twilight. But it's, it is still, like, I don't know. It goes back to Twilight, so. It's a cultural phenomenon. Exactly. Jennifer's body was not, though. It should have been. I feel like it should have been. I thought it was going to be. I thought it was. Cause in it, my mind, it was. In my mind, it was. So I am. I'm really surprised to know that it wasn't. Cause just it's one of those things. You know, when there's a movie. Did you see this movie when it came out then in theaters? Mm-hmm. And did you watch it since, or like a lot, or just kind of here and there? Periodically, yeah. So like, cause in my mind, I thought this was like a big. I could have sworn it was big. Maybe because all those other things going on, like we talked about at the time, like vampire crazes and other things, like just. I feel like. I feel like we were a little young, mm-hmm. too, because, like, everyone that I talked to that saw Jennifer's body wasn't either here nor there on it. And a lot of people knew about it because of the ads and the Megan Fox effect. Yeah. So I think also, like, in a teenage mind it was a big hit but at least me I wasn't privy to the whole world that was like I fucking hate Jennifer's body this feminist piece of trash you know what I mean Dang, yeah but box office and then oh yeah box the office road. true then get out of devil's kettle yeah um okay this is a terrible weekend Number one at the box office was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Which I still have not seen. Ditto. Um, 
Two, Matt Damon's The Informant. Three, which is what I probably watched on opening weekend, Tyler Perry's I Can Do Bad All By Myself. I was about to say, isn't that Medea? Like, I think I... Yeah. I have a funny story of that movie, though. Really? So, like, my mom and dad took me to see that movie. And I remember beforehand, they were both like, Medea's funny. We've never seen a Medea movie. Let's go to see this. It'll be funny. And the whole movie is about domestic violence, and Medea's in it for, like, five seconds. Yeah. No, it's not. A lot of, like, the movies are not... Yeah. There's, like, undertones. There's always, like, a bad relationship. Like, when Medea's, like, I put the grits on the stove, like... It's kind of dark. Like, there's some darkness into some of uh, Tyler Perry's movies, but, I mean, I enjoy it. Same. But it's, like... You know, some of these relationships, like, with the men. I don't know. They, they, he rarely paints, like, men in a good light, which is interesting. Anyway. It's true. Um, number four, Love Happens, which I've never heard of, but it's Aaron Eckhart and Jennifer Aniston. And then number five, Jennifer's Body. Okay. Wait, what is nine? Isn't that a horror movie? I don't know. Is that... No, it's not. It's oh, it's that that like a uh, thing that creature thing. A ragdoll. It's an animated. I don't. I never saw this. Who even is? This wasn't like Tim Burton or anything, was it? I have no clue. I've never seen nine. Hmm. Number seven's Inglorious Bastards, which is perfect. Ooh, number eight's one of my most hated films I've ever watched in my life. All about Steve. What even is that? Okay, Sandra Bullock, Bradley Cooper. Sandra Bullock plays someone very annoying, maybe on the spectrum, who, like, falls in love with Bradley Cooper and they go on the road and she comes on to Bradley Cooper and he's not interested. I don't know, it's, like, so cringe. Wait, you said something's wrong with her? Something's wrong with her. Like, if you've seen this movie, like, Something's wrong. Like, she's, like, I don't know. It was just very sad. Like, it's supposed to be a comedy, but it just was cringy and sad. Aw. Um, number nine, Sorority Row. Ten, The Final Destination. <gasps> okay. Yeah. The Final Destination. Thoughts though. on that movie, Brie? It's good. Right? Is this, wait, is this the, when it says the final, is that the last one in the thing? Or is this the first? This has got to be the last one, right? Or no? Did they make any after the final destination? I forgot. I thought there were like five of them. Uh, you know? Isn't it the final destination and then final destination five or something? I don't know. Yeah, it's something like that, which is hella confusing. Because it's final destination, final destination two, final destination three. Is there a final destination four? Wait. Yeah, there's Final Destination, like you said, Final Destination 2, 3, um, oh, instead of Final Destination 4, it is THE Final Destination. I guess they weren't going to make another one, but then they did Final Destination 5, so it wasn't THE Final. Like, that was kind of a lie, so. You should never put THE unless you're absolutely sure. I think Halloween 2018, they should have called it THE Halloween. (laughs) THE Halloween. And then stopped there, because the rest were trash. Might as well. I, just, I don't know. Final Destination 5, I don't even know. Final Destination 1 through 3 are great. Final Destination 3 is the best. I agree with that statement, yes. That's my favorite one, personally. I like the first one, too. 
I have to. I don't think I've seen the first one. I've only seen all the others. I think, except maybe I don't know if I've seen the fifth one. I haven't seen the Final Destination or Final Five. Well, anything else before we? Can't really. You're right about the box office being like terrible. Yeah, that's really sad. I mean, like it's it's a shame. Like the public should have been out to see Jennifer's body. There was nothing else to see. Truly. No. We had Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which I remember also not liking out of all the Harry Potter movies. I liked that one. But on rewatch, when I saw it in the theaters, I did not like it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it just was like a bad, a bad weekend or a bad time. I don't know. Have you revisited Half-Blood Prince? Mm. I think it was on TV not too long ago. I was like, oh, alright. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. Because I remember watching it again, and because I was under the impression that it sucked, and then I watched it again, and I was like, well, it's not that. The worst one is whatever is the two-parter. <gasps> the first part seven. That made me fall asleep. Yeah, that was definitely worse. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace. Hagrid. Hagrid. Oh. Not to get too millennial, because we're young millennials. Yeah. Um... Hashtag the young millennials. Which we should totally do young adult one of these days, because it's Diablo Cody. Okay. We should do Juno, too, since you we haven't should. seen Juno. No, we really should. I feel like that's one that I'm definitely late to the party on. I've missed out. Like, I feel like everyone has seen it but me, and I've heard well, good things. Once you see it, that's one doodle you can't undiddle, home skillet. What? Oh, is that what they say, right? Is I think that... so, unless I butchered the quote. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Jennifer's body was, was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. and it's, a, it's actually like a film of our times. I feel like I'd pop it in again. Like, it's a nice... It's nice to have, like, a horror movie that is kind of light and not... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, the plot isn't too crazy. Like... You don't have to keep up too hard, if that makes sense. You know, I have some things that are just super... Like, I feel like there's a lot of meanings behind this. There's a lot of symbolism, but it's not like... I don't know. Like, I feel like Halloween is a little more intense. Really? Or, I don't know. Have you seen Halloween? Yeah. But, you know, like, this... I don't know. Like, I feel like there's more humor and stuff. Like, more... It's more engaging because there is more humor. It's, like, well-written. Yeah. It's not just focused on kills. It's not focused on... Yeah. Like, killing is definitely happening. But there's more that's going on. There's so much more. So much more. Maybe Jennifer was right. Like, (laughs) the murder part's just boring. (laughs) I think so. Like, truly. Yeah. I'm crossing you out. (laughs) No. Boo, I'm crossing you out. Um, just kidding. Ah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Convict. 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 Music. Music. And you know we up front. I see you.